0: Good morning. Good morning, and grace and peace to you, still working on the uh, the sinus, I'm convinced now that's what it is, I have that a lot, <clears throat> so I appreciate all your prayers, and prayers for Shirley this morning, she's really, really down this morning. I want to talk about Jesus' baptism. Um, We've said many times before the Holy Spirit doesn't put filler in Scripture just to take up space so you'll have uh, something extra to read that really doesn't make any difference or uh, has no meaning for us. Nor does God have people do things that aren't necessary or of good purpose. And sometimes we look at Jesus' baptism and wonder what what that's about and until we really study into that uh, we won't really understand it and that's the way it is with a lot of scripture Uh, we have questions we might look at it on the surface and it looks well that might be what it is but this is why we're encouraged to study and grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior to get to deeper meaning and understanding and so we can draw closer to him Jesus' baptism is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And uh, John, uh, the writer, has John the Baptist referring to it as a past event. So we wonder about his baptism, why this is in here for us in all the Gospels. Um, John's baptism, as we'll see, was a call to repentance. And, of course, we understand Jesus. He was without sin. So he had nothing of which to repent. So that creates a question right there. And then some have suggested that his baptism was merely an example for us. And I see this sometimes on baptism certificates, depending on which company prints them up, following his example. Well, that's well and good, but... Uh, just the fact that somebody is dipped in water isn't necessarily, you know, the example that we're asked to follow. There's more to it than just being dipped in water. So we want to take a look at Jesus' baptism this morning. And uh, as I always uh, say, and everyone gets tired of hearing me say, context, context, context. Looking at it in a historical context and also looking at it In the scriptural context Uh, what is it all about so we're going to work from matthew chapter 3 so i encourage you to get your bible and follow along there and we'll be taking uh, short side trips to mark and john matthew 3 1. now in those days john the baptist came preaching in the wilderness of judea saying Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. It was a call to repentance as we see here, repent. Uh, repentance is a, uh, a change of mind. That's where it starts. It's a change of mind, a change of heart to do something differently in life. And in regard to Scripture, of course, it has to do with changing the way we're living. We don't live for ourselves. We don't live for the world. We now want to live for Christ or for God. And so here is a call of John to repent And there was a kingdom of heaven at hand. Something was coming. Something different. And we put this in a context. uh, For over 400 some years, God had been silent. Since the end of Malachi, uh, he was the last prophet of the Old Testament there had been no prophetic utterances given to Israel. And uh, things began to change when the angel appeared to Zachariah and talked about, you'll have a son, who would be John the Baptist. And uh, in that 400 years, a lot had happened with Israel, a lot of wars and fighting, and Rome had come in and taken over them. But still, God had not spoken. God had been quiet. And so God is now starting to do something great, trying to change things. And we're going to see that in a little bit, what that was all about. So there's an awakening here of hopes and dreams. There's a prophetic message. Many of the prophets' messages had to do with this time when the Christ would come, the Messiah would come, and things would change. It was to be a watershed moment, not only for Israel, but also for the whole world. Matthew says that this John, who was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, was in fact the fulfillment of prophecy. He was the one who would make ready the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Isaiah's prophecy. Certainly John's dress was that of a prophet. If you read about old Elijah or Elisha in the Old Testament, you know they went around with this kind of garb, all right? They weren't decked out in uh, fine linens and so forth and so on. They lived, uh, as we would say, off the land by themselves most of the time. And so here here is John fulfilling the role of the prophet, the voice of God, And he's saying, make ready the way of the Lord. And the question would be, who is this Lord? Who is this Lord that was coming? Verse 5. Then Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea, all the district around the Jordan. They were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who wounds you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones God is able to raise up children to Abraham. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. We can see the spiritual chord which John's message struck here with Israel. And we want to remember that Jews were a very religious people. All right? You know, they believed in their God. They had the temple. And even though God hadn't spoken for all these years, they were very religious. And many were looking for the Messiah, as we read in other places in the New Testament. So there's a great response here, and I was just wondering about this, because we see back there in verse 1, John is in the wilderness out there by Jordan River with his message. And you wonder, how did anybody hear him out in the wilderness? Well, good news travels fast, doesn't it? And so this news, John's out there preaching. He's got four or five or a handful or maybe 20 folks out there in some little community. And these people were hungry. And I think that's another reason God waited 400 years before he brought this all to pass. These uh, Hebrews got really hungry for God's word, for God. He was missing from their life. And now he's about to come back into their lives in a very different way, in a very different way. Let's turn over real quickly to Mark 1. Keep your finger there in Matthew 3. We'll be back. Mark 1 and 4. <clears throat> Excuse me. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea was going out to him, all the people of Jerusalem, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. So there's some key elements here to what was happening. Uh, he was calling them to repentance. Your lives need to change. You need to seek the Lord again. And so that had to do, of course, with sin. Uh, and they were confessing their sins, their in this case, it would have been how they were not obeying the law, uh, the law of Moses. They were not keeping it. They were not seeking God. So they were confessing that and uh, showing that they were changing the way they wanted to live. They were being baptized, and this baptism was a baptism of repentance. If They showed they were, wanted to change their life, change their mind. They came to John. They were baptized, and sins were forgiven. I was reminded when we were talking about the confession there confessing sin. Uh, we just studied about David and our studying about David in the morning Bible class. when Nathan the prophet came to him after he'd gone into Bathsheba, he told him the little story and David was upset and Nathan says to him, "You're the man." And David humbled himself and accepted that and he says, "I have sinned against the Lord." Confessed his sin. And I was reminded of the uh, the prodigal in the story of the two sons. And the younger son went away, took his livelihood, and we fell on hard times, and he said, oh, i would just go back to my father's house and be a servant. And the first thing he said to his father when he saw his father, he says, I have sinned. I have sinned. It seems that that, that is language, and it's even language that comes from a heart that we very much don't have today. Confessing of sin. We, we all tend to think we're just all okay and that we don't need, have anything of which to confess. And if we read any of Scripture, especially First John chapter 1, we realize that that is not the case. We all have sin, and we need to always be searching our lives and our hearts for the things in which we're falling short. And to confess it, to acknowledge it and confess it to God I have sinned. Father, will you forgive me? So, this is a powerful message that John is bringing here to the people, and they're evidently ready to accept it because it says the multitudes here from Judea and Jerusalem and all around were coming to accept this message, to confess their sins, and to be baptized for forgiveness. Let's go back to Matthew 3. So John's there baptizing. You can see him maybe down in the water. Picture this. And here's these old Pharisees and Sadducees up on the bank. And uh, we read in... uh, I think it's Luke, Luke or John, they're wanting to know, who are you? Are you the one? You know, everybody had in their mind, are you the one? Of course, he says, no, I'm not the one. But here he's saying, what are you here for, you brood of vipers? You know, these are the ones who represented self-righteousness. And they were self-righteous because they thought they were keeping the law better than anybody else. If you remember our lesson from three or four weeks ago where everyone is welcome and uh, Jesus went to the home of Matthew after he'd called him to become one of his disciples and the Sadducees are in there and the Pharisees are saying, why are you eating with tax collectors and sinners? These are the same guys. They're you know, like the, the spiritual police. What's going on, you know? And so we can see why John's response. What are you doing here? You brood of vipers. Who told you to flee from the wrath to come? You know, what, what has touched your heart? You see? Because he's thinking they they're not here to confess sin. They think they're all right. And then we see here what they were trusting in and what so many of these Jews trusted in. We have Abraham as our father. They were trusting their ancestry, their lineage. We're descended from Abraham. We're good. I'm a Jew. Everything's okay. It doesn't matter how I live my life. I, I'm just, I'm good. We see here that John's message pushes that all to the side. It doesn't matter what family you're from, what culture, what race, who your dad or mother were, whether they were in church or not. It's an individual choice by everyone, it's a faith choice. Do you want to follow God? Do you want to follow the Christ or not? It doesn't matter about your heritage. And then he brings up verse 10. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. It's already talked about the kingdom of heaven is coming. It's at a hand. What's that all about? Well, the trees here, we could look at it a couple different ways. It's either Israel itself or the leaders of Israel. We know here in probably about 40 years or so, what's going to happen to Jerusalem. It's going to be overrun by the Roman army. The temple's going to be torn down. The whole thing is going to be sown with salt, and that's going to be the end of the Jewish religion, as it was known. God had had enough. And so this is what John is saying. The axe is already at the root of the trees; It's already starting to come down. And it won't be long before it's all destroyed. But something new is coming. The kingdom of heaven is coming. And that's why there's a call to repentance. To change and to seek this kingdom of heaven. Seek this Lord for whom he is making paths straight and the way smooth. He calls in verse 8 to these Sadducees and Pharisees standing there bear fruit in keeping with repentance. This is one of the things that Israel had lacked for many years was fruit unto God. They just continually went away from God Followed idols, false worship, put their trust in men, put their trust in human armies, made alliances with other, uh, other nations around them, and God had had enough. said, we're going to do something different. We're going to have a new kingdom of heaven, a new kingdom of God. There was no fruit. And this is a challenge for every one of us who follows the Lord. Repentance means change your heart, change your life, move in the direction of God, and to bear fruit. Fruit that he wants to see, kind of person he wants us to be. Put away the old man, put on the new. Speak the truth in love. Walk with compassion, kindness, gentleness. But being the salt of the earth, the light of the world, helping people, telling people this good news. In our case, the kingdom is here. It's not totally fulfilled yet, but there's one coming back, isn't he? He's coming back to take us home. And that's very much our message today. And so bear fruit in keeping with repentance. A lot of challenge here for us today. Verse 11, excuse me, John says here, it's not about me anyway. As for me I baptize you with water for repentance he who is coming after me is mightier than I and I am not fit to remove his sandals he will baptize you with the holy spirit and fire his winnowing fork is in his hand he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor he will gather his wheat into the barn and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire this is the lord for whom he is preparing the way. The one that's mightier, holier than I am. I I shouldn't even untie his sandal. Wow. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. Understand it better better understood here if we recognize what the word baptize means. It means to immerse. The immersion here with the Holy Spirit, I think, is what is referred to in John chapter 3 you must be born again of water and the spirit and that in fact is the baptism that Jesus inaugurated for salvation for life eternal to be put into Christ that's the way we get into Christ by water and the spirit being baptized in his name the baptism of fire You can go to uh, Mark 10, 38, 39. I'm not going to go there. But Jesus refers to this, another baptism of his own that he would endure. And I think this has to do with a baptism or an immersion in persecution and suffering for the name of Christ. And uh, we know that scriptures say that all those who want to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution, right? We will... We will be tempted. The devil will try to bring us down. And even in temptation, there is great suffering. Some suffered uh, the loss of families. Some suffered the loss of life, martyrdom, all types of suffering for the name of Christ. We've been talking in our Bible class this morning about how sometimes we do not really resist the temptations of the evil one as strongly as we should. That is a type of suffering when we really struggle to choose to do what's right. When there's this powerful temptation here of something else that I want to do. That is a type of suffering within the body, within the soul. Verse 12 is a reference to the fact that judgment is coming. He uses the metaphor of the threshing floor of taking the wheat into the barn. that's the good part of the grain, the part that you want, and those will be the saved. but those know not, the chaff, the husk, the hull, will be burned up, destroyed with unquenchable fire. This one coming truly is mightier than John the Baptist holier and he has a greater place than John verse 13 then Jesus arrived from Galilee to Jordan coming to John to be baptized by him and knowing what we've already said we can understand John's reluctance here but John tried to prevent him saying I have need to be baptized by you And do you come to me? But Jesus answering said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. And after being baptized, Jesus came immediately up from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold a voice out of the heaven said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased the door is opened here for us to see who this is that was to come the one for whom John was preparing the way the lord turn with me now if you will over to John 1 Keep your finger there in Matthew 3. This is after the fact. This is the next day, I believe. John 1.29. The next day, he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, We existed before me. I did not recognize him. But so that he might be manifested to Israel. I came baptizing in water. John testified saying. I have seen the spirit descending as a dove out of heaven. And he remained upon him. I did not recognize him. But he who sent me to baptize in water said to me. He upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining. Upon him this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. John reflecting back. Jesus, the Son of God, without sin. John said he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why does he want John to baptize him? He had no sins of which to repent. And he's also kind of indicating here, John, you really must do this. He says, permit it or allow it at this time. We have to fulfill all righteousness. You can kind of see John standing there looking at Jesus in the eye. And he says, no, no, I shouldn't baptize you. And John or Jesus says, John, we have to do this. It must have been a real moment. So then he did. John says, okay, I'll do it. So why? Why was this necessary? I have three thoughts here, and I'll leave them with you. The first one was this, and uh, in fact, I'm going to turn to Luke 7. If you want, it's not on your little list. If you want to turn to Luke 7, to be baptized at this point by John was God's purpose for mankind and especially for Israel. This is what he wanted man to do. Uh, in, in Luke seven thirty, 30, um, 29 and 30 really, there's a discussion here about John and his baptism. It says, when all the people and the tax collectors heard this, they acknowledged God's justice, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees, the guys standing there, you know, and the lawyers rejected God's purpose for themselves, not having been baptized by John. That was God's purpose, to get everyone to repent and to get ready for the Lord. That was God's purpose for everybody. And I think that's what God, or Jesus is saying here, to fulfill all righteousness. To do, in other words, to do what is right. This is God's purpose. I am a man. I am a Jew. And so I want to do what my Heavenly Father says to do. So, John, you need to baptize me. So I think that's the first point here. The second one is this. As a human being and as our Savior, he came to rescue us from our sins, to take our sins upon himself. We read that uh, he did that at the cross. Jesus was identifying with humanity. He was identifying with us that I am one of you, even though he had no sin. And some of it suggests And I think there might be some truth to it that it is at this point that he begins actually to take on the sin of mankind. And he identifies us with us in a baptism that was for repentance. One that he didn't need, but that we needed to repent and be baptized for forgiveness. And so he identifies with us in our great need that he is going to be our champion and take our sins to the cross so that we might be truly forgiven for all eternity. So that's the second thought. And then as we read in John 1, Jesus' baptism included the Spirit descending in the form of a dove, the Father speaking, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He said there in John 1, so that Jesus might be revealed to all Israel. This is the one. Okay? So anybody was standing around there and saw the Spirit, as John said, I saw the Spirit, and heard the voice, this is Him. This is the one that is coming. This is the Messiah. This is Christ. And so this was a way for Jesus to be revealed to all Israel at His baptism. Here He is. He has come And John is the one who's been preparing the way for him to come. So there we have some thoughts about understanding Jesus' baptism and we'll kind of leave them with you. I want to note as you move into chapter 4 and just understanding the slipperiness and the sliminess of the devil we just Had the voice there from heaven? This is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. Jesus, you know, in verse, verse one of chapter four, he's led by the Spirit. Another gospel writer says he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness, and that's where he was immediately was tempted by the devil. Look at the very first thing that the devil says to him after those forty days. What's he say? if you are the son of God. Isn't that interesting? God has just witnessed from heaven, this is my son. But the devil wants to plant a seed in Jesus' heart. If you are the son, command these stones to be made bread. He's terrible. He's so slippery and slimy. and He just wants to lead you astray. But anyway, I... That was a little bit extra there this morning. So we have the amazing love of God for us that he sent his son to become one of us to save us. As we understand scripture, he'll always be a man, a human being in that spiritual body. He's now residing at the right hand of the Father, and he's ruling in his kingdom, and someday he's coming back. In that day... It was God's purpose, as we saw, for mankind to be baptized with John's baptism. A baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. In our day, it's a little bit different. It's God's purpose for mankind to have life eternal and to have that life eternal. We need to have faith in this Jesus, this one who we were talking about this morning, and be baptized into his name, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the key thing that was missing from John's baptism, because Jesus had not died yet nor been resurrected yet. So the challenge or the call for every one of us today, are we in Christ Jesus? This is the way to get there, to be baptized in his name. We can assist you with that this morning if that's your desire. To follow in his footsteps and to fulfill the word of God in our day for you. As Jesus did in his day when he said we need to do this to fulfill all righteousness. If you are a Christian and you're ready to rededicate your life to Jesus, this one who emptied himself and came here so that we might have life and live, live eternally with him. Uh, we can assist you with that. If you're ready to repent, make that choice and give your life to him. Whatever your situation, we're here to pray for you, pray with you, Brother Mike, Brother Mike. So, Brother Jim, will you lead us, please? And if you have a desire, please come now.